Don't look back because the market is closed. Good Thursday afternoon, everybody. Kip Harrods here with your daily VRA Investing Podcast. Bit of an ugly day today. You know, we just hit all-time highs yesterday in NASDAQ and S&P 500. But, look, this has been a thin rally. It's we, we, We've been talking about here, these internals have not been pretty. Today marks seven of nine days we've had with uh, what we'll call weak internals, certainly not strong. Weak to mixed internals, seven in the last nine days, telling us the, the, the really the foundations market has been weak. And also, we, you know, we have uh, right now just 40% of all stocks uh, in the S&P 500 are trading above their 50-day moving average. That's not, that's not a sign of strength. What it really means is that these all-time highs after all-time highs have been taking place led by the largest of large cap stocks, you know, Apple hit an all-time high, the Amazons of the world, Facebook. You know, these are the stocks that have been carrying this move higher, and that can work one of two ways. It can work as a, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats and big caps lift the smaller caps up. That is a very common thing, probably is exactly what is going to happen. But in the short term, these weak internals, which were, again, weak today, we're seeing numbers that are, you know, uh, consistently been two to three to one negative readings now, seven out of nine days. That is very difficult for the market to continue moving higher in that environment. And of course, the latest culprit, crashing interest rates, crashing interest rates. The 10-year folks today, remember, the 10-year yield today in March was 1.76%. That's when the all the PhD uh, economic gurus all those 1,000-plus economists that work for the Federal Reserve in, 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 in one way or another, and there are, believe me, more than 1,000 of them on the Fed's payroll. You think they've been bribed maybe just a little bit to never go against the Fed? Yeah, we think so. Matter of fact, folks, it's a different topic, but there, there are horror stories out there of economists that have gone against the Fed and paid the price for it. Uh, they're no longer invited to their little soirees. They're no longer paid their Federal Reserve stipends or their, uh, you know, uh, uh, quote-unquote scholarships on off the table for their students, that kind of thing. Those are pulled from the table if you go against the Fed. That's why they all speak with one voice. Back in March, when we were saying the interest rates were about to uh, plummet, everybody you saw on CNBC and Bloomberg and in print media, all of these PhD economists said that, yeah, rates are at 1.75% now, and they're going well past 2%, probably 25 to 3%. We said just the opposite. We said rates were going to plummet from there, and they were, were acting very toppy, and we believed they would begin to move sharply lower. That's exactly what's taking place. Now, the market today views that as a negative. They want to have it both ways. They want you to believe that if rates go to 2%, wow, that's going to be awful for the economy. So why is it bad for the economy when rates are plummeting? Shouldn't that be a good thing? Frankly, that's exactly what's going to wind up being the case. Uh, that's exactly what we have been projecting, forecasting, what we believe is going to happen. Lower rates will wind up being a huge market positive. But right now, lower rates, again, the tenure today hit a low. This is the lowest rate it's been at since mid-February. Hit the low today of, what was it, one point. Uh, the low today, 1.26% before finishing at 1.28%, just, just off the lows. So what the market is looking at this, 
is saying, okay, wait a minute, because historically when rates plummet like this, it typically spells out one thing, major concerns about future economic growth. That's what typically speaking, a sharp drop in interest rates tells you that you should be worried about future economic growth. But folks, that's not why rates are falling. Is the economy going to be a little bit weaker because of Joe Biden's president? Absolutely. Just like it was under Obama, this is not the Trump economy. This is a manufactured economy. This is financial engineering by our masters of the universe uh, who say this is the way. This is $30 trillion that we've seen in just the last 15 months of combined fiscal and monetary stimulus globally, oozing its way into the system, crowding out real growth, taking over an economy. Doesn't necessarily have to be awful. Japan has gotten by with uh, QE taking over their economy for two decades now. Of course, it's been that way for us since the 2009 financial crisis, 2008-2009 financial crisis when we started QE here in the U.S., but it, we've gone way past that now. We're now at the stage where central banks, our masters of the universe, which is what they want to be, have commandeered via financial engineering the entire U.S. and global economy. Again, it doesn't mean the markets have to crash. doesn't mean the economies have to crash. likely won't. With this kind of liquidity being forced into the system, the economy is going to continue to grow. But rates are going to continue to fall. Well, why, why would that be the case? Let's see. A couple of reasons. Uh, let me see. Uh, right now, just in the U.S., the Federal Reserve is buying $120 billion of debt. Guess what? The ECB is buying the same amount throughout Europe, $120 billion a month in QE in Europe. You have $240 billion a month going into debt, going into bonds. How are rates exactly supposed to go higher in that environment? They can't. They won't. The other big thing is specifically to the U.S. We've talked about this now for over three years here in our VRA, uh, in our, in, throughout our VRA updates with our members and when we started doing the VRA podcast, which was just over a couple of years ago. How in the world can U.S. rates go higher when, US, when, when, when the 10-year, for example, is negative in Germany and Japan, broadly speaking, throughout Europe and negative in Japan? In other words, why would any big money, the big money, institutional money, Federal Reserve with their own money, central banks all over the world, why would any of them be motivated to buy Japanese or German debt with a negative yield when they can simply, via uh, a Swiss system, wire transfer, uh, I'm not really sure how, how, how central banks move their money, but how the big money moves their money, why wouldn't they just buy U.S. debt, uh, again, even today? yielding 1.28% versus negative yields in Japan and Germany. For us, this has always been a very common sense equation. It really is supply and demand 101. It's gravity, if you want to get right down to the bottom line, that uh, this demand of coming into the safety and security, along with the higher yields of U.S. sovereign debt, right? Sovereign debt. It will. They may print it, into uh, in, in, out of existence, but it will never default. <laughs> you know, we may have hyperinflation, but we'll always pay our debts, even if uh, what we're paying it with isn't worth nearly as much as it used to be. But our sovereign debt is the place to be. That's why U.S. rates had to go lower. It's why they will continue to go lower, much lower. We believe 
that within the next few years, it's highly likely, increasingly likely, that U.S. Uh, debt will have a negative yield as well as foreign debt becomes more and more negative yielding. There's a lot of financial engineering has gone into this by our planners, by our masters of the universe, and I don't think most people have thought through the consequences of this. There are some actually some very positive consequences of negative yielding sovereign debt. We'll be getting to, we'll, we'll start getting to that more often uh, in the near future as to how it will apply to most Americans and to Canadians and to, to those here uh, in, in the Western Hemisphere. Because if you have a mortgage, all of a sudden now interest rates have gone negative. If they go negative on mortgages as well, the mortgage holder, right, the, the debt holder, then starts getting paid interest every month. So the ramifications here are very interesting. We're still a ways away from that. But the bottom line point we're making is that rates are going lower in the long term, but in the very short term, and we just wrote this up uh, this afternoon to our parabolic options members, the tenure now has reached a low. The yield on a yield basis has reached extreme oversold on steroids. This is a VRA system reading that, that tells us this move lower in rates is almost over. Very, very, very near future. We're looking for a bottom in yields. How interesting that that'll happen just as they go into the Jackson Hole Fed Confab that they do in Jackson Hole, Wyoming every year. That's happening next month. And uh, this, uh, this, this panic over lower rates uh, will soon be over, folks, because we're approaching not only the 200-day moving average on the 10-year, which, by the way, sits at 1.23%. We're at 1.28% now. We're not that far away. Was at five basis points. And we're also coming up to a level of, of pretty solid support uh, on a trend line basis from in the first quarter of, of this year. And also, just FYI, for those that, that track these things, extreme oversold on steroids right now in RSI, relative strength, MACD, uh, moving average convergence divergence. This is the most oversold uh, the 10 years been in well over a year on that basis on MACD. Also on stochastics, now reaching the lowest and most oversold levels this is extreme oversold in steroids, down to 7% on stochastic. So the 10-year yield is getting to a point now where a bottom is going to occur. Then everybody that's been freaking out recently about rates plummeting will all of a sudden their fix will be taken care of. Their concerns will be – they will go bye-bye, just like all the uh, inflationary concerns have now gone bye-bye. Uh, remember, it was just a, two, a couple of months ago that everybody was panicking about inflation and about what it meant. Well, no one's talking about that anymore, are they? No one's talking about that. So it's interesting how these things happen in very short order. This remains a rotational market moving back and forth from area to area, sector to sector, low rates, high rates, inflation, lack of inflation. This is actually healthy. It's, it's a little crazy as far as uh, trying to make sense of it all. But in the long run, it's, it's a positive for the markets because nothing gets out of whack. Everything continues to self-correct, and uh, this promotes longevity of a bull market, and it's actually long-term healthy. So that's how we see it, and uh, we think this, uh, this near-term bottom that we're going to see in interest rates will correspond with a broadening action in, in the market. So we won't just have a few stocks hitting all-time highs of big caps 
you know, driving the market higher. Instead, this will be a, a broad-based move higher that we look to see t- kick in for the second half of this year. We fully expect the second half of this year to be very strong for equities. Again, we are in melt-up mode. That's our forecast has been for some time. Uh, we believe in backing up the truck to buy pullbacks. And while we're not oversold, folks, we just hit all-time highs yesterday. Obviously, we're not oversold. This market could continue to drop for a bit or move sideways for a bit uh, before that would happen. The point we're trying to make is here is if you're worried about economic growth because rates are dropping, we think those, uh, those worries uh, are misplaced and they really shouldn't be a concern of yours. Instead, use these pullbacks in various sectors, right, uh, to find your next great stock you want to buy. You know, we're now looking at some of these deep cyclical names and value stocks that have been beaten up badly in the last 30, 45, 60 days. We're now looking at some of these names like the bank stocks, like the housing stocks and going, okay, you know what? They got extreme overbought. Now this rotation is taking place. Now with concerns about growth, now we're looking to buy these stocks. So this is how you know, we, uh, we, we, we tell our clients – uh, to look at the markets, it's, it's how we pick stocks and sectors. It's how our VRA investing system works. And uh, it's worked for me for, I don't know, going on 37 years now. So um, also, by the way, 18-year anniversary of the VRA is this month. 18 years, hard to believe. I was on Wall Street uh, just 15 years, and now I've been had the VRA for 18 years. Uh, let's take a look today at the, the market specifically. We haven't even done that, have we? Dow Jones today. Uh, was down at one point over 500 points, finishing down 259 at 34,421. That's a loss of just over seven tenths of one percent. S&P 500 uh, did a little bit worse, down to eight tenths of one percent, 37 points at 4320. Again, all-time highs just yesterday. Uh, Russ 2000 was our loser on the day. R2K is down five percent in what the last week. It's been the hardest hit again on concerns of U.S. economic growth. This is a great buy opportunity here in, in the small caps, we believe. And finally, NASDAQ today was our winner on the day, down 7 tenths of 1%, down 105 points, well, well off the lows at 14,559. Again, also just hit all time highs yesterday. The VIX today had panic written all over it this morning. At one point, the VIX was up 30%. It still closed up 17%. But it's these one day panic moves like that of gains of 25, 30% that, that historically tell you. That, 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 that a near-term bottom is right around the corner. That's just historically speaking how the VIX operates. Uh, and looking at our uh, internals today, again, this is not pretty. But NASDAQ was, the, was the, the, the much better. This is what you want to see. NASDAQ outperformed. NASDAQ leads the market, of course. NASDAQ up-down volume today was negative by about 1.5 to 1. Uh, advanced decline negative by right at 2 to 1. But again, it was uglier on NYSE, right at three to one negatives for advanced decline and volume. And folks, for just the sixth time in 2021, we had more stocks hitting new 52-week lows than 52-week highs. Not by a whole lot, but uh, we had it today. Today, we had 165 stocks hitting new 52-week highs to 207 hitting new 52-week lows. Again, it's only happened six times this year. When it's happened in the past, again... It's marked a near-term bottom. It's just around the corner in the broad market. And our sector watch today, not pretty. All 11 SP of 100 sectors closing lower in the day. Again, led by financials, just getting shellacked here because of the move lower in rates. Again, everybody loved financials a couple months ago. Now they've just disappeared, haven't they? 
Uh, I don't like the financials. I never like the financials. Uh, I don't get bank stocks. Why would you need a bank anymore? Who, whoever goes into a bank anymore? Who, whoever, when's the last time you walked into a bank? <laughs> right? Everything's happening online. And that uh, means there's a lot of uh, real estate out there not being used. That is a drag on your uh, profitability. Financials down almost 2% today. Industrials down 1.4%. Again, well off the lows. Materials down 1.3%. Those are our biggest losers on the day. Technology was right in the middle of there, down 9 tenths of 1%. And uh, VRA Commodity Watch. Give me one second, folks. I apologize. I have to pull this up right now. Sorry about this. I was not prepared for this podcast today, was I? Um, One second, I'm getting there, folks. My computer is acting very strange all of a sudden here. And I can't really explain why that is. It's just I'm trying to get to the screen here. You know, folks, this is too slow in loading. I know gold today is trading right now at 18.02, essentially unchanged on the day. I can tell you that the silver today uh, was also down a bit today. Uh, I'm looking at now my stock quotes, SLV. Silver is down right at nine tenths of one percent today. Oil today was uh, uh, sharp, was not, was actually higher by 1.8 percent today. And finally, uh, Bitcoin today back at 32,000. You know, we've got some, uh, we got some serious issues here on a technical basis with Bitcoin. Trading below its 50 and 200-day moving average for quite a bit of time now. That's going to have to be dealt with. Uh, we'd like to see that happen before Bitcoin drops below 30,000. Because below that level, uh, there's a pocket. There's a pocket to probably 24, 25,000 for Bitcoin. We're holding off on new purchases at this point until we get a clear breakout of the 200-day moving average right at 42,000. Folks, as always, we appreciate you joining us here. Hope you had a great day. We'll see you back here again tomorrow after the close.